Hi, and welcome to the Ethnos New Brunswick podcast. We're so glad you're joining us. Ethnos is a new organization looking to join in the holistic, community-transforming work happening in Highland Park in New Brunswick. A part of that includes thinking about the spiritual health and vitality of our community. Each week, our gathering is meant to give our community a safe and helpful place for them. Today's episode, Justice, is the fourth in our series called Meaningless, Finding More in Life's Complexities, with the conversation being led by speaker Yukon Chu. Well, we're going to continue on with our time now, as we usually do, to take a moment and reflect on the person and the teaching of Jesus. Uh, The reason we do this is because we believe here at Ethnos that while our spiritual journey uh, can be informed by many different sources, and there's a lot of good spiritual ideas and spiritual truths in many different places, we focus in on the teachings of Jesus, though, because we think Jesus is unique among all the options. Jesus offers something that no one else does, and we think it's important that Uh, here on every Sunday gathering, we just take a moment to reflect. Now, you don't have to believe in Jesus. You don't have to be a follower of Jesus. Uh, We welcome your opinions and your ideas and your kind of philosophy to the table. And uh, we hope you can find a space, though, to explore the different ideas and find something meaningful from the person and teaching of Jesus here today. We're in a series, speaking of meaningfulness, we are in a series called Meaningless. And this is now our third week, our fourth week, excuse me, in this series. And we're in this series for two reasons here. Number one, uh, as we talk about the teachings and the life and the scriptures of Jesus, uh, here at Ethnos, we try to look at every kind of nuance or every perspective of the scriptures Jesus had and used. Jesus had these scriptures that included at least six, seven different types of genres of writing. And so uh, every two years at Ethnos, we kind of look through all of those genres and make sure we talk from each of those genres. And so we're in a genre called the wisdom literature right now, specifically this interesting scripture called Ecclesiastes. And so we want to just make sure as a community, we're exposed to that uh, genre and that literature. But number two, we're in this series because we really think this is a season in our lives personally and as a community, where we are definitely asking questions of what is meaningful. And we're struggling with meaninglessness in our lives. I know myself and a number of the leaders here at Athos, as we listen and talk with our city, there's a lot of questions going on on, you know, why, is this really meaningful, this relationship I'm about to jump into? Is this really meaningful, this career that I feel stuck in, but it's my only option, and so I have to keep going through this? Is this really meaningful, like where my family is right now, or where, I, where my love life is right now? Like, is, it, is this the right thing or the wrong thing? Is this, the, is this where meaning is found, or is this where meaning isn't found? And so a lot of us, I think, are asking these sort of questions. And so we thought, a bit, whoa, we thought it would be important for us to take a moment and pause and reflect on that. I, I love those water bottles, by the way. Those, they're like weapons. They really are. I always joke around with when I see somebody having a big, like, steel water bottle. I'm always like, dude, that's a, that's a good weapon. You're, I'm glad you're getting hydrated, but use it as a weapon, too. So, with today, today, um, as we jump into this issue of meaning and meaninglessness, 
and into this ancient scripture called Ecclesiastes, Jesus' scriptures, we're going to be looking at the issue of meaning and justice. Or, to put it differently, meaninglessness and justice. Let's get started, as we usually do, with a question to talk about with our neighbors. Here's a question on the screen. Why don't you take a moment, turn to your neighbor, and for the next two minutes, answer this question together. What injustice right now in your world upsets you? And how, do you res- how have you been responding to that injustice? This could be a big-level issue, uh, like what Sean was say- saying in his country right now. The issues of race have simmered up again and front, front and center. This could be a little injustice you feel like at, at home with your family, an injustice you feel like with close friends, like that you're getting overlooked. Two minutes, turn to your neighbor. Let's process this together as we get going. All right, so what are some of the things we're processing? What are the, some of the things in this room right now, some of the injustices that we are really upset about, the injustices that have been getting under our skin and really causing us some disturbance, and what have we been trying to do about them? Who wants to share really quickly with us? Yeah. All right, Ms. Deborah, get us started. Um, here in the United States, I mean, it's happening all over the world, but these people are selling kids. People are, the kids go to the store, never come home, and they just had a big bust in uh, Detroit about they found like a hundred and something kids, you know, people were sex trafficking kids. No, that's real. That's real. Yeah, thank you for sharing that. That, Yeah, I hope that gets us upset. Yeah. What else? What else is going on? What else are we thinking about here this morning? Yeah. We had a conversation about dignity over here today. We had a conversation about dignity, and we were saying that, um, I was saying that one of the biggest injustices to me is denying someone access to a dignified life, whether that's because of their race, their gender, um, their class status. I think that um, it's an injustice to deny someone the dignity of like a good life. Mm-hmm. And so, I, so we were talking about things that we do personally, and I think about, I challenge myself personally in my day-to-day life to treat people with dignity, regardless how I feel about them personally. Mm-hmm. Just because other people are denying you dignity doesn't mean that I should as well join in on that. Yeah. That's good. Let's give it up for Holly Month. That's awesome. Thank you. Thank you. Yeah. Anybody else? What else are we thinking about? What else are we getting upset about? Yeah, let's come over here. Yeah. Hey. Uh, hi. Uh, at my table, we're talking about a personal issue for me, uh, homophobia in the Christian churches. Uh, I, I identify as homosexual. I have my entire life, believe it or not. Uh, and um, as I've, I've grown, also grown up as a Christian, and every church I've been to, no matter where my faith goes or how far I go in my faith, I'm in a place now in my life where Jesus Christ is the only thing that matters to me. But in these churches I've been to, they will always find a way to use my sexuality to hold me back from making my next step. And as of the past year, at my home church, something recently happened to me, and it, an incident there took place which kind of sparked this aggravation in me and I know for me it's not it's an issue for me so I know for many like me it's also a bigger issue because a lot of us in the a lot of us in the community believe and have no place to put that belief because of the churches so I I've actually been starting on I've been trying to develop some type of project to uh, spread awareness and fight against homophobia in Christian churches so that's something 
Thank you, AR. Thanks for being so honest. I appreciate that, man. Thanks for being here. Yeah. Yeah, you know, if we were to continue, uh, we, we do, I'm going to take a pause here just because I, I think the ball is rolling and we could be talking for hours right now. But, man, if we were to continue, I would, I would guess that all of us, deep down, have something that just riles us up, that just upsets us about the injustice that we face in our world, the injustices we face in our lives. And this is normal. It's normal because I think deep down we are all created in God's image, and we know that God is a God who is just, who is whole, who is good. And so when we see something that's not just, that's not whole, that's not good, it, it gets to us. As many of you know, we've been in this journey now in this ancient scripture called Ecclesiastes. And just as a reminder, just to catch some of you up, this ancient, ancient scripture has been a fascinating scripture because what it does is it documents the meanderings, the thinkings, the, the, the journey of this skeptical, wise sage who is trying to figure out life, a meaningful life, Aside from a good and just God, uh, we've been talking about a number of his thoughts about work and uh, other issues, pleasure, things like that. And as he has gone on this journey, he's brought us through these issues. And today we come upon his thoughts about justice and how justice and injustice looking around in this world can leave us feeling meaningless. Now, Last week, as we looked at his teachings or his thoughts, we also noted that this, in this ancient scripture, there's not just this one author who's talking or this one sage who's talking, there's a second author as well. And the second author speaks up at the very end to tell us how to properly interpret this first author. And we mentioned how the second author actually shows us that, hey, this first author is actually, again, telling us about life under the sun, life aside from a good and just God. But, so the second author says, there is a good and just God. And there is a different way to think about what he's been processing. We talked about last week how that person begins, that second author begins to point us to Jesus. And so today we're going to follow this same kind of pattern. We're going to look at what this, this cynical sage is trying to process without thinking of God, or a good and just God at least. And then we're going to begin to think about how this second author in this interesting book will begin to point us to Jesus. Let's take a look at our excerpt today. Uh, if you haven't read through this with us, get ready, because this guy is brutally honest. So honest that uh, I think after our first week reading this, everyone was like, oh, this guy's also like depressive. Yeah, he is. <laughs> He is, because he's trying to be honest about life, and life is not pretty. Let's read our excerpt for today. He says this, and I saw something else under the sun. In the place of judgment, wickedness was there. In the place of justice, wickedness was there. I said to myself, well, God will bring into judgment both the righteous and the wicked, for there will be a time for every activity, a time to judge every deed. I also said to myself, as humans, God tests them so that they may see that they are like the animals. 
Surely the fate of human beings is like that of animals. The same fate awaits them both. As one dies, so dies the other. All have the same breath. Humans have no advantage over animals. Everything is meaningless. All go to the same place. All come from dust, and to dust all return. Who knows if the human spirit rises upward and if the spirit of the animal goes down to the earth? So I saw that there is nothing better for a person than to enjoy their work because that is their lot. For who can bring them to see what will happen after them? Again, I looked and saw all the oppression that was taking place under the sun. I saw the tears of the oppressed, and they have no comforter. Power was on the side of the oppressors, and they have no comforter. And I declared that the dead who had already died are happier than the living who are still alive. But better than both is the one who has never been born who has not seen the evil that is done under the sun. So this is not your happy, happy scripture, right? This is a guy being brutally honest who is trying to understand meaning apart from a good and just God in our world. He brings up God, of course, and we talked about last week, and I'll talk about again today, how his version, his vision of God is kind of short-sighted, But as you can tell, this is a guy weighed down with the heaviness that he's seeing all around him. Turn to your neighbor really quick, and for the next minute, just share what jumps out to you about what we've read. What what strikes you as, you know, honest? What resonates with you? What do you disagree with? What makes you angry about what he said? What makes you excited? Quick minute, just process really quickly with your neighbor. What jumps out to you? Again, this this author's processing is fascinating, isn't it? Again, as he's brutally honest, he begins by noting the obvious reality that where there should be justice, where there should be right judgment, there's injustice. He notes, first of all, that, man, this, 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 this sort of reality seems to be the norm, really. And I would say we could resonate with him. Man, that, that yeah. That seems like the norm, unfortunately, in our society. But then it's interesting. Notice in the 17th sentence, or verse 17, he begins to talk about God. And he says, you know, God, well, God will bring things into judgment, both the righteous and the wicked, for there will be a time for every activity, a time to judge every deed. Now, what is he talking about? Well, he's talking about it in his notion that, well, if people are doing bad things, then God will, you know, bring judgment on them in the right time. Now, notice a couple things, though. Notice that this isn't a positive thought, because if you notice, like, the next thought he goes into is, like, well, we're still just like all the animals, right? (laughs) So it's kind of like, well, how does he, what is he talking about? Remember, this author, this first sage, doesn't have an idea of a final judgment, doesn't really have an idea of an afterlife. And so his thinking is, like, right now, under the sun, aside from, like, any type of eternity, well, maybe God will kind of work like karma does, right? Like, if you do bad, bad will come back to you. If you do good, good will come back to you. But here's the deal. If you've been waiting around for karma, like that cycle of good and bad, like aside from eternity, you know it doesn't come. I mean, you know there are plenty of times where bad people don't get the bad that they deserve, and good people are getting the bad they don't deserve. And so this whole thing breaks down, really. Really? Which is why he goes on 
in this kind of depressive line of thinking, he says, well, wait a second. Maybe this is all happening because God is just trying to show us we're like animals. We're just like animals. There's no meaning. We, we just become dust. Who, do, who knows if our spirit goes up or goes down? Who knows? And because we're just like animals, well, let's just enjoy what we have now because we're going to die. You could live that way. But what do you do with justice? I mean, you could just kind of be like, well, you know, it's unfortunate that the Holocaust happened. It's unfortunate that our country has hundreds of years of racism here. It's unfortunate that migrant children are dying in detention camps right now. But oh well. Just live. We're all going to die. It's not very satisfying, is it? That's an injustice. And then our author continues in this line of thinking, and then he looks around and he thinks, well, okay, let's think about this issue of comfort. Maybe, maybe at least we can find some comfort in the midst of this. But he begins to think, and he says, well, again, I looked at all the oppression that was taking place under the sun. I saw the tears of the oppressed, and they weren't comforted. Okay, well, that's not really good. But then he says, I saw that power was on the side of the oppressors, but they're not even getting comforted either. Isn't that a fascinating statement? You know, sometimes when we are being oppressed, we feel like, oh, my goodness, right? The oppressors have it all made. But if you've ever been on the other side, and well, I'll tell you something a little later, we've all been on both sides. Oppressors never feel good either. And so it leads to this final sentence, right? Or this final train of thought. I mean, just, let's just screw it all. Better are the people who have never been born, who have never been tasted this life. They're actually better off than all of us. I mean, it, it doesn't get as low, as depressing, as nihilistic as that. And so what do we do? Why is this in the scriptures of Jesus? Well, like we've said before, Jesus will take these scriptures and say, you know what, this indeed is the result of our lives if we don't have a vision of a good and just God. And so as we've talked about throughout this series, Jesus will come in and begin to say, yes, I do believe these scriptures, but I believe them because they're pointing actually to me and the hope that I can offer. So there are three things today that I want, to think us, I want us to think about as we think about how Jesus enters in and begins to help us think about this issue of justice. Number one, and these will be on the screen, Jesus, when he comes, he assures us that actually justice will come. Jesus has a bigger picture of life. Life isn't just what it is now under the sun. There is a bigger timeline involved. And it's in that bigger timeline that justice will come. Because if we don't have that bigger timeline, justice will not be served in this lifetime. It just will not. There are too many wrongs that have been committed, too much brokenness, too much pain, that right here, right now, justice will never be served. And so Jesus, when he comes, 
one of the first messages he says, right? If you're familiar with this, next slide, please. One of the first messages he says is this, the kingdom of God has come near. That's literally the first words out of Jesus' mouth when he begins to teach on planet Earth. What does he mean? He's talking about the kingdom of God because the kingdom of pain and suffering and the kingdom of darkness and misery, the kingdom of evil has been running this earth. And Jesus coming says, you know, you know, there is a good God, a just God, and that kingdom, that way of life, that rule, that power is now going to be coming through me. Justice is about to be served, number one. And then as Jesus continues, next slide, please. Jesus, though, as he comes, he says this, justice will be served, but I'm going to do something first. I'm going to make sure humanity can experience mercy before they experience justice. Because here's the deal. Like I alluded to earlier, it's easy to cry for justice when we're on the side of the oppressed. But if we're honest, we have been the oppressor as well. We are all victims in this room, but we are also all perpetrators. I'm not trying to deny the depth of the oppression that we face. No, I'm not trying to do that. But it's interesting. When Jesus came some 2,000 years ago, after he said this whole thing about the kingdom of God is coming, Remember that 2,000 years ago, he said this to an extremely oppressed people group. The Jewish people, they had been oppressed politically, religiously, socially, morally for over 500 years. They were currently at that time being oppressed by the Roman Empire. And after Jesus says, hey, the kingdom of God is coming, this new way is coming, guess what he tells these oppressed people? The first word he says is this, repent. Meaning, I know you're oppressed, but you, want, you need to have a change of direction in your life as well. What is this change of direction that Jesus invites us in? It's a change of direction to receive mercy. Because here's the thing. If we're oppressed or we're the oppressor and we're actually both, I mean, how do we get out of this? Is there somehow like this, this balance that... We can outweigh the other side and be okay at the day of judgment or something like that? No, there, there's no way. We, this is a brutal cycle that we cannot get out of. And so Jesus, when he comes, he says this, I am going to bring the break from the cycle. In fact, later, and next slide, one of the followers of Jesus will write this sentence that captures it perfectly. For Christ also suffered once for sins. We know about Jesus dying on the cross. But notice how his death is described. The just for the unjust. To bring you to God. Meaning, we are all unjust. We are all off the mark. We are all, unfortunately, on the side of not just the oppressed, but the oppressor. We all have a judgment coming to us. But guess what? The way to break the cycle is to have the just... A perfectly just person die for the unjust. And that's what Jesus does. That's what Jesus does when he self-willingly sacrifices himself for us out of love 
to allow us to experience mercy instead of justice. And this is what that does. As Jesus comes and brings this sort of justice, this mercy in the midst of justice, this begins to transform us, doesn't it? And it begins to transform us and lets us then actually be agents of justice here today in our world. We don't have to be hopeless like this man here. We have the opportunity to break out of this cycle, to break out of this karma, to break out of this, this thing that happens because Jesus has entered in and done this work and broken this pattern and made the unjust us just again, and then we can be agents of justice. Now, how does this practically look? And this is where I want to get back into this, this really interesting excerpt. You'll note, if you can take a look at this excerpt, that in the first sentence, the two words there, judgment and justice, in the place where there was supposed to be judgment, good judgment, in the place where there was supposed to be good justice, there's injustice. It's important to note that those two words in the original language, which here is Hebrew, is used many times. The two words are this. The first word there used is mishpat. It's used over 200 times, and it's really talking about speaking up for the vulnerable, for making things right for those who have been oppressed. It's, over, it's used over 200 times primarily with widows, orphans, refugees. And so this is the kind of justice that Jesus would want us to engage in. But there's another word here, uh, tzedakah, or tzedakah, sorry. And that is talking about everyday fairness, everyday generosity, like this, this constant baseline of goodness that's supposed to come from us. These two things, honestly, while we think we can do them sometimes, let's be honest, we're pretty far from this mark, right? Like, I wish I could be these things all the time. But we can be very far from the mark. And so when Jesus comes, when Jesus makes us the unjust just, he begins something in us, transforming us, changing us, so that we can begin to be this. We don't have to force ourselves to be this, although sometimes we have to be intentional. But God will begin to do something in us, so we'll begin to live this out. I was uh, not too long ago uh, at New York Penn, uh, coming back from New York to New Jersey, and I observed someone who was helping out a, a you could tell it was one of those visitors to New York, first-time visitors, right? Luggages in tow, they were coming off the subway, trying to figure out how to get to Jersey. They're like stuck, they have two kids, stroller, they're from Paraguay. And I observed someone actually stopping to help them through the A-line all the way up so they could get a taxi and just make it to New Jersey, a total stranger. And I was like, wow, that's Tadika. And knowing that person, I knew that person was a follower of Jesus. Like, yeah, that's, that's what God does. 
That's what God does in us. That's how he changes us. And so let me ask us some questions here this morning, and we'll, we'll just wrap it up here. I know there's a lot going on. There's a lot to process. But I want you to think again to that first question we asked. Where is that area of injustice right now that just riles you up? Where is that area of injustice that just, ah, it has gotten under your skin and you just can't let it go? Is Jesus here this morning inviting you to begin to open that up to him? To open up your heart to hope again that there will be justice, actually? To open up your heart again that, you know what, not only will there be justice in a final sense, but there will be mercy as well for you personally in that moment that actually you may be correctly riled up, but you're also on the other side. You may be the victim, but you are also, unfortunately, the perpetrator. But God has come to give a solution to both. Do you need to receive that solution for yourself? And then lastly, do you need to be an agent of justice to walk through? Our hope here at Ethnos is that we will all experience God in this way, that we will all have an encounter with Jesus in this way, and that our lives would be transformed, but not just our personal lives, but our city, our community, our greater country, our greater world. God, help us to be agents of justice. And so, God, we, we thank you that you indeed are here to us, us, Aki. You are here. And you are here in the midst of the pain. You're here in the midst of the injustices we feel. But we thank you, God, that you're not only here just to be with us, but you're here to lead us forward. You're here to bring us to a better place where justice will be served, but, we'll, but a place where mercy will also be. We thank you, God, for that mercy because we need it. We receive it here. And we say, Lord, make us people of justice. Give us the power to be people of mishpat, to speak up for the oppressed. But also give us the power to be the tzadakeh people of justice. We have just this everyday generosity and grace and love for our world. God, we can't do this without you. We long for you to do this powerful work in us. So God, thank you. Thank you for meeting us. Thank you for moving us forward. We know it's one step at a time. We know we're not going to be perfect tomorrow. We know this is just sometimes even two steps forward, three steps back. But we say yes, Lord. We say yes, take us through, Jesus. And we pray all this in your name. Thanks again for joining us for today's conversation. For more information about Ethnos New Brunswick, please visit us at ethnosmb.com.